Hey gang, Ross Brand here for LivestreamUniverse.com. This is Livestream Stars, the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across livestream platforms. And our guest tonight is Andrea Brancini. We're going to talk all about live streaming and cooking shows. And we'll introduce Andrea in just a second. We do have to tell you that tonight's show is brought to you by Livestream Universe. Check it out, LivestreamUniverse.com. We have a new resources page up. And it's LivestreamUniverse.com slash resources, as you would expect. Also, uh, South by Southwest voting is still going on. So if you haven't had a chance to vote yet or you haven't left us a comment in support, please do that. It's LivestreamUniverse.com slash SXSW, LivestreamUniverse.com slash SXSW. SW coach Jenny, Karen Graves, Monique Johnson, and myself are providing 15 days of content for every weekday during the voting. And on Fridays, uh, Monday through Thursdays, each of us go live on our own. And then uh, on Fridays, the four of us get together. So if you want to see what our chemistry is like and how we approach these issues, um, our topic is Facebook Live, Build Your Tribe and actually make money, uh, do join us tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll share it on my Facebook page, rossbrand.live, uh, and you'll you'll get a kind of a taste of what we're doing, what it's like to uh, see the four of us together and how we approach our topic. But the most important thing is to vote. So if you haven't done so, livestreamuniverse.com slash SXSW, livestreamuniverse.com. Dot com slash SXSW. And the guest tonight is Andrea Brancini. Welcome to the Dabbling Chef. Somebody I have, I met at uh, Summit Live, but I've been aware of her programming since before that. She's been a popular host on Periscope, hosting the Dabbling Chef show, a live video cooking show. Uh, she was a advertising creative director and writer and now is a plant-based uh chef in order to she became that in order to learn how to cook the healthiest food on the planet for her family she shares those lessons in her cooking show with the goal of making it easy to cook healthy food at home even when life gets busy andrea has been featured in fine cooking magazine edible queens and the oxford encyclopedia on food and beverages in america and she's also an accomplished speaker and moderator she was as we mentioned a panel moderator uh for a food panel with leslie nance and some of our other friends at summit live she's also spoken in the uh food industry at events as well and we're so excited to have Andrea here. Thanks so much for joining us on Livestream Stars. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here, Ross. Hey, Nick. Hey, Joanne. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, thanks to everybody who is watching both live and on the replay. Please do share this out. Let people know. Uh, we have a great guest tonight that uh, we're very excited to talk to. And there's some exciting news going around that I really wasn't aware of regarding Periscope. And that is Periscope is testing the idea of channels. And you're one of the people that they've reached out to uh, around the idea of a food channel. And your show, I, I guess, could be one if they decide to go forward with this. Tell us about what's going on with you and, and Periscope. 
Yeah, thank you. It's a really exciting opportunity. Basically, they want to test out a pilot program where they have a specific channel with set programming that would happen at the same time each week. So more like a traditional TV schedule where you can you can plan to be there, uh, but the show is still live, of course. And uh, I, they want me to do a pilot episode. So I've been in talks with the editors at Periscope, just trying to figure out the best program and the best topic to launch with. And if we do a pilot and about four week long series on that and then see how it goes. So it's it's a pretty cool idea. Now, are they thinking of this as like a once a week thing or an every day or what are they looking at for when this channel would be would be on and how often your show would be on? They're thinking once a week, I think for me specifically, mm-hmm. um, but it could depend on the broadcaster. So if they have more content that like Leslie does uh, her lunch with Leslie every day, um, they would cater to that. But they were thinking to test out a once a week format more like a traditional TV show would be. Right, right. Well, that's that's fantastic. Um, now, do they want you to basically recreate um, your dabbling chef show, or do they want you to do something different for the for the channel? They wanted it to be similar but unique, so that it is a standalone. Um, so that's why I, I was pitching them some series ideas. I actually reached right. out to my audience as well to see what ideas they would have or what problems they've been having in terms of healthy eating. Um, that we could kind of come up with a cool series ideas. So some of the things were, you know, maybe because of the time of the year, a series on back to school, quick dinners for the family. So even though my show is specifically vegan and vegetarian food, I think they were definitely open to me branching out and doing something that's within a theme related to my show, but maybe showing another side of me as well. Wow. Well, that's great. Um, before we get into um, your show and, and, and your approach to eating and, and cooking and all that, um, I was interested in the fact that, you know, you were an advertising creative director and now you've decided to go in a different direction and, and all of a sudden you're live streaming all the time. How did you make that, that change and what made you decide to, to get into live streaming? Sure. So, Basically, I was a creative director and advertising over 10 years. I worked as a copywriter in the ad industry in New York City. So old school kind of Madison Avenue type agencies. And I just always loved to cook. I started a blog in 2008 and it was always just for fun. Um, and that's when I first was introduced to the idea of vegan cuisine as just a challenging creative type of cooking, not necessarily a all in lifestyle for me at that point in time. And I had my blog, I had my job, and I was, I was doing good, but I finally decided, you know what, I love this enough that I really want to give it a shot and go all in on it. So that's when I decided to get certified as a plant-based chef to really have not only the passion, but take that to the next level and learn the cooking techniques so that I could teach others. And I started out as, no joke, an intern. (laughs) So I went from creative director to intern at Slow Food USA, which is an organization I was always really um, a fan of, and I admired their work. They're really big in um, changing changing the food system and food movement. Mm -hmm. And 
I was working on a school garden cookbook for them, which is still kind of in the works behind the scenes. Uh, so it was such a great fit for me. And I remember it was my first day in the internship and uh, the my boss turned to me and said, well, why do you want to work behind the scenes at a nonprofit? What happened with the blog? And I said, right. oh, you know, I kind of, I want to be in the background building the brand. I don't want to be the brand. And I realized like as soon as I said the words and they were kind of hanging in the air in front of me, I realized it was a big fat lie. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you got a taste of live streaming and being in front of the camera, that was it, right? I mean, there's no going back. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I'm lying to myself here. There's something, something's holding me back. Some, I'm afraid of something. And I heard about live streaming and uh, it was two years ago now. And I just, I turned to my husband. I said, I'm starting next week. Wow. And I had a simple idea and he, he still laughs at me about it. He's like, yeah, you were just like, I'm going. I had a, a $8 octopus stand for my phone and I wrapped it around an old lamp and just natural light from the window and I just hit wow. go live. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so interesting because um, when I started um, Livestream Universe, I really had no intention of actually live streaming. I just was fascinated by what everybody was doing and was kind of going to be like a media website covering what was going on in live streaming. Of course, as soon as, you know, and I had sworn like, OK, I'm out of broadcasting. I'm never going to do this again or whatever. As soon as, of course, I got a taste of it, it was like whoops, this kind of changed. This is really about my shows now and not about, you know, and, and about other people's shows, but it's no longer about just what's going on with live streaming. Um, so <laughs> I kind of can, identi can identify with that. Now, you're not a vegan or you are. You were a vegan for a period of time, right? Are you still a vegan? I get that question all the time. Of course. <laughs> um, so I am not, for the record, <laughs> I am not vegan. I was... I was vegan for two years before I got married. And honestly, and my, the story is on my blog. Honestly, it was just, I want to lose weight for my wedding, you know, was the wrong reasons. Right, right. And I realized in that journey that you really need to understand how to do it properly to still nourish your body, which is a lot of what I learned in the certification program as well. And what fascinated me from the beginning about vegan cooking is just, that you kind of have to push the limits, especially with baking. It's it's challenging, it's fun. It's it's a creative challenge for me of how do I bake something without eggs, you know? Right, right. And, and so I just fell in love with it as a cuisine. And I feel like that's really what I wanna teach on my show that you don't have to be vegan or vegetarian. So I, I do share vegan and vegetarian recipes because it's it's to me something that we could all eat more fruits and vegetables and incorporate more into right. our diet. But it doesn't matter if you're vegan or vegetarian or not. I know that might upset some people, but right. that's that's really the idea is to make it approachable and more like this is something the same way you would have maybe a, an Italian dinner or, or a Mexican dinner one night. You could have a vegan or a vegetarian meal. And the more that people do that and incorporate it into their day to day, um, the it, it's going to benefit anyway, the environment, because we're reducing our meat intake. It'll better fit our health right. as well. So what I currently follow, if people would be interested in an actual plan, um, Mark Bittman, who was a um, food writer for the New York Times for many years, he came up with this idea of vegan before six. And yeah. 
And that's what worked for me. So after those two years where I was very strict and I kind of realized I wasn't nourishing my body properly, um, and I did have a little bit of an iron deficiency, which you really have to do your research and, and learn how, how to get all the nutrients that you need. Um, but I tried this vegan before six, so basically breakfast and lunch, which are the two meals since I was working full time, I could control those two meals. I ate them on my own and it worked really well for me. And in a way it's two thirds of your meal. So right. um, it was an approachable way uh, to, to kind of balance the diet and the lifestyle for me. That's interesting because I tried many years ago being a vegan twice. Once, uh, I don't know, six, seven months, once three or four months, like not for long periods of time. But um, first of all, it was tremendous if you want to lose weight. I lost so much weight. Um, but at that age, I was, you know, at that time I was in my 20s. I was already very thin. So it was like. I, I thought I was going to, you know, the wind was going to blow and I would be, I would be gone, you know? Um, and I, I enjoyed eating that way. Um, I, but I, I just felt like from my body chemistry or whatever, cause like whenever, when I, when I tried being vegan both times, you kind of get into the mindset that this is the right thing to do. And you naturally look at vegan cookbooks and, you know, vegan advice and all that and obviously a lot of people who are leading the charge think that it's the only way to go and that mm -hmm. everybody can be vegan and that there's you know no health downsides or whatever and then when you you talk to other people you start seeing okay well maybe i am missing something or maybe i am yeah. deficient in some way and it, it's sort of like the heart wants you to be like i want to be vegan right i don't want to eat meat i don't want to you know like I, this feels good emotionally but health wise i'm not feeling like myself after a while so that that was my experience with it um and because i don't eat dairy because i'm allergic to dairy products um i'm still familiar with a lot of vegan food i eat vegan only eat vegan desserts if i eat dessert so um i i still kind of in touch with and respect that way of cooking and approaching things but it's not something like I, I just can't not eat meat. At least that's how I think, and what I've been told. There's just so many different voices out there. It's kind of hard to know who to listen to. But I'll ask your opinion in all the research because you've been a vegan and not been a vegan. Do you think that people can live that that being a vegan is for everybody? That anybody could be healthy on a vegan diet, or do you think there are risks for some people to to go 100% vegan? I think I think not one diet is right for everyone. Right. And and that's why I was nodding my head the whole time because mm -hmm. I, I absolutely agree. And I don't think it should be a blanket, any kind of diet um, where you say this will 100 percent work for everyone and and everyone can thrive on this type of diet. And and so that said, as much as this may anger some people, again, I don't believe that everyone can thrive on a vegan diet. I do believe that it does have healing powers and plant-based foods have tremendous ability um, to heal the body. Um, but one, one of my, an experience that stands out to me is I was, I was in, when I was taking my professional food writing class, one of uh, the students was saying how she became vegan and she just feels amazing and her skin is amazing and her hair is glowing and everything's better. And she's saying this while she's eating 
an Oreo cookie because Oreo cookies are vegan. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I'm looking at her like, this is not the point. We're missing the point. The point is eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. That's in a nutshell. That's from Michael Pollan's. That's literally the cover Mm -hmm. of Michael Pollan's book in defense of food. And that's my eating philosophy is real food from the earth. That's as close to nature as possible. Hi, Fernando. (laughs) And, and not too much and mostly plants. So that's why if I can help people to, to shift that balance. Yes. It's the same belief as, as Leslie at go to kitchens and, and you won't, while you won't see me cooking a roast chicken on my channel, because that's just a decision that I've made. And um, that is my, my experience and my, um, my comfort level is that's where, what I'm good at. So I'm going to share with you guys. I'm really good at making vegetables taste amazing, (laughs) but I can make a mean roast chicken too. (laughs) Hey, speaking of Leslie Nance, Leslie's here. Uh, Sherry Shapiro. Welcome. Fernanda. Welcome. Anthony. Uh, welcome. Welcome everybody who's been joining us. Please do share this out and let people know that Andrea is here and we are talking about great food and the dabbling chef show of course is uh, hosted by andrea and you can find out more about her at dabbling chef uh across social media dabblingchef.com is the website um what do you think about um people who decide like you want to lose weight or you want to sort of heard some of the toxins out of your system or whatever. And you say, okay, I'm going to be a vegan for six months or a year, or I'm going to do it for three months or whatever. Is that healthy or is that too much of a transition for your body to go back and forth between periods of being a a carnivore and periods of, of, uh, you know, only eating uh, plant-based food? Well, I will say first, if you're going to make any kind of a decision like that, to talk to your doctor, of course, mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't necessarily listen to some girl from <laughs> Periscope um, and go all in. And that's actually, I've been getting a ton of questions since the What the Health movie came out, because a lot of people are kind of dropping everything. Yeah, paleo is, what I like about paleo, uh, Anthony, is that it's real food. Again, no processed food. So that's what I always say to people is, if you're eating currently a lot of processed foods or if there are a lot of boxed foods in your cabinets and you want to cold turkey, <laughs> yes, pun intended, go vegan, um, the first step would be to get rid of the processed foods. So switch first to eating real foods and eating a clean diet, um, clean diet, lean proteins. If you're going to eat meat, try to get, if possible, if, if it's in your budget, grass-fed beef, organic chicken, um, the best quality you can get and cut down on those portions. So really the eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. I mean, my parents both um, were born in Romania and my mom would always tell me how they would eat, they would have one chicken for the whole family for the entire week. And they would use that, they would make broth, they would make soup, they would, you know, break it up into different foods. So Try first eliminating the processed foods. If you're thinking about going into a vegan diet, eliminate those processed foods and try to treat meat more as a garnish versus a main component of your dishes. 
I think that those are two good logical steps and, and definitely research your plant-based sources of protein and, and other nutrients. So vitamin B12, for example, is one, one thing that you cannot get from a plant-based diet. So a lot of vegans do get an injection of it or they take a supplement. Uh, so that's something to talk to your doctor if you have a holistic health practitioner that you trust to really just make sure you're uh, getting those nutrients that you need and balancing it. So mostly plants, but try, <laughs> yeah, eliminating those processed foods, I would say, is the absolute first step. So that's, that is very much consistent with um, what Leslie Nance talks about as well. And certainly you've seen people doing it, as you mentioned, your friend eating an Oreo, right? Um, I, I knew somebody who was a, a vegetarian and ate nothing but pizza, like wasn't a vegan, but ate, was vegetarian and basically said, you know, he's a cheesitarian and ate nothing but pizza and things like that. Uh, but one of the things that, that can be deceptive is you go to a health food store, and Leslie's talked about this, and there's lots of boxed and canned and frozen food that's all labeled organic and no MSG and, you know, no artificial preservatives and all this. And so you can get sucked into eating a lot of what I call healthy junk food from, from like, I, I get, I also, I often will get like more junk food at a health food store than I will at a regular supermarket because it's like, oh, they have this and it's, oh, they have that. And we're in a, a regular store. I'd go, okay, that's full of like chemicals and preservatives and stuff. But even boxed food that's organic or that, you know, is supposedly healthy or whatever, it, it's still not real food, right? That's a great question. And you can, you can kind of blame me for that as the marketing girl because uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> the creative director in me sees those packages and I love package design and I read the clever line on the front. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty smart because they're saying all natural or, they, or they're saying 100% gluten-free on, on a package of ground beef which would not have gluten in it anyway so it's, <laughs> it's they're using any of those loopholes that they can and it's really problematic for parents i think especially because all of the the kids food that is positioned to be healthier and if you're in there like i am with two little kids and they're grabbing stuff off the shelves and you're just trying to quickly glance and make sure it has less than five ingredients or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it does get, and, and the pretty pictures. I mean, marketing to kids on food products is really problematic for parents because there's cartoon characters on all the bad stuff. I remember I saw one time a cartoon character on a, on a thing of carrots. And I actually took a picture of it. I think I posted it on my Instagram. I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I think it was, it was Sven from frozen. So it wasn't, it was like a current character because Sven loves carrots makes total sense. Um, so I will say that I understand as a mom, I understand how difficult it is to not have any, boxed goods in your house because you you're busy and sometimes you do just need to grab and go and that's why it really is important to learn to read labels 
and try to ignore the pretty pictures and the cardboard, you know, natural looking packaging and turn to the label and, and five ingredients or less, all that you can pronounce, I would say is, is my rule of thumb. And if it's something that's boxed or pre-prepared or whatever. And, and just, again, try not to make that the main component of your diet. There's nothing wrong with a treat here and there. I mean, I'm all, I'm all about the, the French lifestyle of, you know, we're, we're allowed right. to have dessert. We're allowed to enjoy ourselves. Life is short. Yes, yeah, Scott, chips, chips are tough. The chip aisle, I mean, I personally, when, I, when I'm with my kids at the grocery store, I don't even go down those aisles because I know it's just going to lead to a fight and mommy saying no. <laughs> right, right, right. So I, I do try, that's another technique to try to stay on the outskirts, the perimeter of the store is where more of the real foods are. And a lot of times it is cheaper to, to buy fresh food and prepare it yourself versus getting the frozen, the frozen entrees and things like that. Uh, so uh, hopefully that answers your question. But yes, yeah, some, the, they've come a long way. And I have to, as, a, as an advertising girl, Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, creative director, I have to admire all the brands that are working really hard to to put out products that have better ingredients. So, for example, um, Nutella, believe it or not, well, they used to and their their advertising actually got pulled because they used to have ads that said they were part of a complete breakfast, which is a little <laughs> ridiculous right. for chocolate. Chocolate spread, while Nutella is amazing, I'm sure <laughs> everyone here loves Nutella. But um, I, there is a smaller company that um, created their own version of Nutella that doesn't have those additives like the vanillin, right. um, which is a fake vanilla flavoring. And it's so simple. I mean, it's kind of like, why didn't these things exist already? Just make it or, or um, those Reese's that are made with real peanut butter and real chocolate. So if you can't make it yourself, at least try to opt for um, these brands that really, you know, supporting that small brand that's really trying to at least give us more options. Welcome, Jacqueline. Welcome, Scott Graham. And Scott Graham said was the one who mentioned the chips. And I, I had been thinking, too, that like even a store like Whole Foods that bills itself as healthy and great for the environment and all this stuff um the chip aisle is usually like one of the most prominent aisles in whole foods and even when you walk in there's like you know chips 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 and then you go a step further there's like the guacamole is there and the salsa and all that it's like you know it's clear what they're leading with right i mean and you know every bag of chips is like organic white corn organic this (laughs) organic You know, and like you said, um, so many of the box items, they have the natural looking cardboard instead of, you know, the old cereal boxes with the purple and yellow and whatever. And and it really is all like it's all marketing, right? Yes. Remember, those stores are designed to get you to buy stuff. So even um, Whole Foods, the way that the produce is is positioned in the store it has the crates, so it looks like a farmer's market. It has the chalk, handwriting, right. everything to give us this experience of it's fresh, it's 
it's good and to make me want to buy more. Even the music that they play in grocery stores wow. is supposedly uh, to condition us to feel hungrier and want to buy more things. <laughs> think about, <laughs> I've read about this. It's so interesting from a marketing standpoint. Um, even of course at checkout, checkout is a uh, mom's nemesis because that's when right. you think you've made it. <laughs> and there's just candy in the checkout aisles, which I know um, some people are really trying to fight against that. So don't go shopping hungry. Right, right. <laughs> Keep a list. Uh, if, that's why it's so important. If you are meal prepping and planning ahead, stick to your list of ingredients, and then you're less likely to stray into that chip aisle. Yeah. Uh, and and grab something that maybe shouldn't be in your car. <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't go shopping hungry. <laughs> yes, definitely not. So, you know, we, I mentioned um, in the introduction that you've done a lot of writing as well. Talk about how you got into that and how you started writing for different um, publications in the food industry. Sure. So I started while I was still working full time. I was commuting to New York. So I had about a almost two hour commute each way. And I started uh, guest blogging on um, this blog and uh, the strong buzz with Andrea strong. And she basically did restaurant reviews in New York. So that was my first uh, experience with just working on a food blog and doing restaurant reviews. It was so much fun. because we got the chance to go to new restaurant openings and try the food and meet the chefs, stuff like that. Um, and then I did take, um, I think I mentioned a little earlier that a professional food writing course. And, and that was um, just an awesome uh, eye-opening experience. And the professor there um, got me the opportunity to write an article for the Oxford Encyclopedia of Food and Drink. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> and, and I did write, so that was on Romanian food in America. So it was a really cool um, thing for me to be part of because of my Romanian background. Um, so from there, it's it's a really fun industry. Once once you learn kind of the pitch process, you can pitch different ideas. And the, the Fine Cooking magazine, um, uh, I pitched a recipe to them, which was, again, a Romanian recipe, uh, actually a fish recipe. So <laughs> not a vegan recipe, um, but a very classic Romanian dish called plakie. And, and they went with it. And I thought at first it was going to be published online and then it ended up in print. So I bought like 30, 30 copies. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a lot of fun. And um, once you kind of just start pitching, you can, you can get your foot in the door at different publications. And um, it's, it's been fun since I do have that writing background already. Um, to kind of keep exploring those avenues as well. So uh, the cookbook, for example, was was great for me because it was a combination of telling the history of the ingredient, so telling the story behind the ingredient, as well as developing the recipe. So it's kind of a twofold uh, job in a way. And how much did the advertising marketing background help you in terms of like how to sell your, your pieces, your articles, your writing? Um, to the magazines. Was that helpful? It definitely helps. It, it helps you to just put a pitch together to edit yourself, of course. Right. Um, I have I have written a couple cookbook proposals too, and it's always helpful to just have that experience. Thanks, Lindsay. To be able to 
to kind of search the market, research and and do a competitive review and mm -hmm. build out uh, your pitch for your cookbook idea. So all of that, I feel like in a way, and I'm sure this happens, a lot of people can relate, every step that you've taken in your life, while it may not seem like a straight line, it all kind right. of makes sense together eventually. That's definitely true. Um, when you pitch like an article to, for a, say for a magazine or something, not, not a full book, um, do you actually write the article and then send them the article or do you write uh, like a summary and then, you know, you'll get the article if you, if you want to go ahead with it? It depends. You can do it both ways actually. So uh, a lot of times it depends on the extent of the research required for the article. So for example, um, there was an article I was I was talking to an editor about, um, again, inspired by my grandfather. So my grandfather used to make suica, which is a type of Romanian plum brandy. He used to make it at home and in, in the basement, basically. And I know there's a really large um, a population of Romanians in Queens that still do this. So they're making mm -hmm. this essentially bathtub gin in their basements <laughs> in Queens. And I thought, what an interesting story. So it's a little bit of a, of a beverage angle and a craft, craft beer, craft beverage, you know? Um, and something like that, you, while you can pitch the idea and they'll get really excited about it, nobody's gonna buy the story unless you've done your homework and you've actually gone out to Queens and interviewed people and learn their story and you're able to re recount that in your pitch. Because they do wanna see a lot of times whether it's your first paragraph and maybe a couple of quotes from people, they want, the editors don't wanna have to do more work if they're right. gonna buy your story. They wanna know that you're going to live up to the promise of what you wanna, what you're offering them and that you're gonna provide to them a polished piece that will then be able to be fact-checked accurately. So it depends on the story. If it's a small, um, for anyone who may be watching who's looking to get into glossies, they call them magazines. Um, if it's a small little blurb maybe um, in Cooking Light or something like that, you won't have to necessarily, you could pitch an idea um, mm -hmm. in a smaller section, uh, but a bigger, more in-depth article, they like to see that your homework was done for sure. Right, right. Uh, welcome, Lindsay. Welcome, Doug. Hey, now. <laughs> Doug Cohen is here. Great to see you, Doug. Um, I, I want to turn to something else because I, I think this is something we all find ourselves doing from time to time, and that's taking pictures of food for Instagram. You have a great Instagram account, and you certainly take a lot of photos. What is the key to taking a good food photo? Because I'm sort of new to doing it. I, I'm not somebody who's been doing too much. And, like, I seem to luck into, like, okay, I angled it right there, there but I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Like, what What are some of, like, the keys to taking good Instagram photos of your food? Sure, sure. So, Believe it or not, the biggest thing is natural light. So when I take my pictures, I don't have any lights on and I'm by a window and I usually put it on a stool 
so that it's elevated a little bit so that I can kind of lean. And I like doing overhead shots. So that, that depends on the style of shot right. you're going for. Um, but natural light, I would say, is the number one thing because food, food dies on the plate. You can't, you can't wait too long. If you're going to plate something, you have to kind of take a picture right away because say you drizzle some maple syrup on it on a pancake or something, it's eventually just going to kind of <laughs> look right, like a right. mess. So um, position everything where you want it if you're trying to take a, a shot for your Instagram feed um, and be ready to take that picture right away and and kind of let gravity help you a little bit. I like mm -hmm. to just let things happen naturally. For example, a salad, you don't want to everything to be perfect. You kind of just let things fall onto the plate and let let them land where they land. And and then it looks a little bit um, messy, but cool at the same right, time. Right, right. Uh, so uh, yeah, I would definitely say natural light's probably the biggest thing and have fun with props too. I see a lot of people who take pictures on a paper plate and I'm always like, just if you're take, put it on a fun plate or something right, and right. put a little and interact with the food. Sometimes it looks better after you've taken a bite. And then the, the spoon, mm -hmm. the spoon that has that little bit of yogurt on it next to it, right, right. you know, makes it look like a human actually right, interacted right. with it. <laughs> so, now, what about in a, in a restaurant where you can't control? Obviously, there might be no natural lighting. You're eating at night. Um, it's it's a little darker. There's other stuff on the table, condiments. There's, you know, a fork lying here and somebody's glasses. That Like, is it important to get that stuff out of the picture and try and find it where it's just your like the portion that you're taking a picture of and, and the table underneath or is it okay to get like sort of some of the other parts of the meal like what is the what is the um secret to good like restaurant photography when you want to capture your meal yeah that's first of all don't go to dinner with a bunch of foodies because you'll spend <laughs> 10 minutes you'll have all your your server will have served everything and you'll have to wait for 10 minutes till everyone for everybody take their, their picture. shot <laughs> <laughs> so that's rule number one but it is definitely much more challenging at a restaurant for sure and i actually read the other day i don't know where i read this that some restaurants are offering instagram kits to their their customers because they're big Instagram restaurants and they want the photos to come out good so that their customers will promote the food. Thank you, Leslie. You're the best. Uh, so I did. We did have. It's challenging, and I do actually have a, a case on my phone that has a light on it. Um, so that helps a little bit. Or if you don't have a case, sometimes what I've done. Um, is have your friend the flashlight feature on the phone flash the flat turn the flashlight on so that and then your phone is underneath right. and then you at least have some better lighting um, but I kind of I try to not ruin the evening by taking too many food photos right, right. when I'm out to dinner uh, but I will it's funny because I will prepare a meal for my kids and my kids are sitting there and they're used to it now at this point. Right, right. And my kids and my husband are sitting there probably hungry, stomachs growling. And here's mommy like, hold on, wait, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, 
I got to take this picture and I'm plating mine on a different looking plate. And, <laughs> and then my kids, my kids want to take a picture. So then they, they want to take a picture of their food now because they're so used to seeing me doing it. Oh, they're going to grow up to be great photographer, food photographers, yeah. right? <laughs> true. And um, <laughs> it's kind of funny when you think about it. Where are we going with this? Like, eventually, it's not going to be cameras. It's going to be something like some little thing, and you just Oop. you just blink your eyes or something. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, when you um, when you do your shows, like, how much prep do you do? Do you like write down every ingredient and everything you're going to do ahead of time or are you experimenting as you go or is it like sort of half and half like what do you what what goes into doing a show like in terms because people see the show but they don't see the prep they don't see the cleanup yes. it, it there's a lot more there's a lot more involved in it than just the time that your face is on the camera right yes yes definitely i do i always test my recipes before i go live with them so um, that's part of my process where I'll have an idea and then I'll test it out and, and I'll show a lot of the behind the scenes on my Instagram stories, for example, but until it gets onto a live Periscope or a live uh, Facebook video, it will have been tested at least once, hopefully twice. If it's a really good recipe and I'm really excited about it, sometimes I'll test it the second time live. Um, and what I used to do in the very beginning is actually have one done so that I could show the finished product. But as time went on and I was trying to try to do a lot more things, it would be prepping it live um, on camera. But I always have all my ingredients ready to go. So it's called mise en place. So everything in mm -hmm. its place. And <laughs> you'll see, yeah, so you'll see that a lot on cooking shows. And it just makes the cooking process, actually, it's a great habit to get into for anyone. It makes the cooking process go so much faster if you have your ingredients prepped and measured out ahead of time. But just for me, depending on the recipe, I mean, for example, if it's, if it's a baking recipe and it's two tablespoons of honey right. or maple syrup, that you can just pour from the bottle. Um, but chopping an onion, for example, I'm... Leslie's gotten good at this, but I'm still a little, a little nervy, nervous about chopping the onion live on camera. So I'd rather have it pre-chopped, ready to go. So you don't want to cry on camera. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to cry or lose any uh, fingertips, obviously. But no, you, you got to, yeah, you, a lot of practice goes into that. So uh, I'm sure it'd be fine. But um, yeah, I prep all my ingredients ahead of time. I do have to rearrange my kitchen a bit and obviously clean clean up behind me um, and make it make the set look uh, camera ready. Right. So that always takes a bit of time um, since you are prepping food. So you want to make sure you kind of take that mess out of the way. And then my husband is left with all the dishes. <laughs> So you're watching live stream stars. I'm a Ross brand. Our guest today is Andrea Brancini, and we're talking all about cooking and the dabbling chef show. You can find her at dabbling chef. We also want to remind you that South by Southwest voting is going on right now and you can vote for us. Uh, myself, coach Jenny, Karen Graves and Monique Johnson are proposing a panel on Facebook live, build your tribe and actually make money 
and you can vote at livestreamuniverse.com slash SXSW, livestreamuniverse.com slash SXSW. And in the time we have left, we have about 15 minutes left. If you have questions related to food, live streaming, uh, writing, uh, even creative advertising. <laughs> uh, Andrew's a, a wonderful resource, so please do uh, throw your questions in the chat, and we would love to address those in the time we have remaining. And uh, Lindsay Roberts asks, what are your thoughts about recipe developing and costs trying to start up uh, start, trying to start out things so they don't waste or something together doesn't taste well, uh, sorry, I butchered that. Uh, it's like really small in the back end here. So let me read it. Actually, not from what I put on the screen. Uh, your thoughts basically uh, about recipe developing and cost trying to start out. So things so you don't waste things or something, you know, doesn't turn out the way you hope for. I think that's what I was yes. trying to say. Yes, uh, Lindsay, for I think that's thanks, Lindsay for that question. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um just side note, you made me think of, so the, you know, those, those videos, those videos that you see all the time, they get shared very much on social media <laughs> of just, they're called them hands and pans where it's right. um, the recipes being made from an overhead shot. Um, I, I recently learned the process of creating those and they waste so much food and it's absolutely heartbreaking because for a 30 second video, they have to shoot it many times. Um, so that's something that I think a lot of the industry in general could um, could work on improving. Uh, for me personally, I always write out the recipe first and the list of ingredients. And then I kind of sketch out different ideas initially. Um, for example, I did a gluten-free um, cauliflower pizza crust. And it's... <laughs> It's a bit of a complicated recipe. Usually my recipes don't have as many ingredients as that particular one. But my goal with that was for it to be foldable because I'm, I'm right outside New York City. You got to be able to fold your pizza and eat it <laughs> <laughs> and not flop down. So you have to be able to pick it up, fold it and take a bite without it flopping over, uh, which is not, not easy for a cauliflower crust. So I actually... And I'm not a math girl, but I, I'm the writer, not the math girl. But I did so much math of ratios. And I was, I was looking back at what is, what's the ratio of a traditional pizza crust yeast to water to flour? Uh, what's the ratio of some gluten-free crusts? And I was just figuring out all of the math. So as much as you can kind of plan ahead. And what a lot of people do, too, is... They make smaller portions. So a friend of mine was just doing a pumpkin bread for fall. And you can see in her behind the scenes that the pumpkin bread she was testing. So she had about five of them, but they were about this big. So so you kind of just have to, again, uh, do your fractions and, and break <laughs> down the recipe <laughs> into a smaller piece. Um, or if you're just a lot of times ad hoc cooking, um, making a dinner where you're just throwing things together. I find obviously baking is a little more difficult um, to test because it, it's more of a chemistry of, of balance of ingredients. When you're just cooking a savory dish, 
you can play around. It doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, if you have a half of an onion or three quarters of an onion, that's, you know, the flavor's not gonna change so much. Um, so I, I usually test those once or twice and I, I like my recipes to be adaptable in the sense of you can use this, this is optional, or I'll give suggestions of if you have other things in your fridge that you could swap out right. um, is really important too. Great question. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, one of the things um, we're talking about, like when we when we prep for our 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 panel uh, for the voting and our, our shows that we're doing is, you know, the opportunities that arise as a result of live streaming and the different ways people have been able to not only build relationships and build community, but actually monetize live streaming to get clients and customers and consulting opportunities and jobs and all sorts of different uh, ways that actually impact uh, their, their income. Um, what, uh, what doors have opened to you since you've been live streaming that, you know, might not have might not have opened if not for the connections or the audience or the content that you provide on a regular basis so many it's it's unbelievable it's it's almost like you just going from a corporate job a 9 to 5 to more of an entrepreneurial lifestyle just so many different opportunities come your way that you never would have expected um, for example, the speaking engagements that I had, um, the one at Summit Live and the one at um, IACP, which is a food conference, International Association of Culinary Professionals, right? <laughs> Long name, but it was started by Julia Child. So that meant a lot to me to be part of. And, and just, it's even from my copywriting background. So I still have a freelance copywriting business that I run as well. And meeting entrepreneurs has has really just helped me to help them. Uh, I love helping people build their brands. Uh, and the more people I meet, a lot of times it's like, okay, cool, you're a chef, but you, you're a copywriter. Right. Can, you, can, you, can you look at this for me? Um, and, and that gets me very excited as well because you're working with people who are really passionate about what they're doing and they're, you know, they're trying to, fulfill their own dream and, and reach their audiences. And if you can help them create better content in order to do that, it's really exciting to me. And um, other opportunities that have come my way, just working, doing collaborations, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I want to do more on my show, on, on Dabbling Chef show, of, um, featuring other chefs or cookbook authors or showing more of the process since I've met some cookbook authors um, throughout this journey um, and letting people in on what it's like behind the scenes to write a cookbook and, and bringing more experts right. on be really is how I want to continue to evolve the show. So you described early on in the show how you got started, right? And it was a phone on an octopus tripod or stand or whatever. Yeah. So how has your production or your approach to live streaming from that sort of more technical side <laughs> grown over time? Like how have you changed what you do or what's involved in the actual, you know, live production of the show? So I did, like I said, I shifted my set. So I used to have the fridge behind me and it never occurred to me to just turn the island in my kitchen, which is not is a freestanding piece 
to face the the tile, which is a much cleaner set. Um, I do have a ring light now um, versus the, so I first had the octopus, the $8 octopus light and just natural light from the windows. And then I upgraded to a webcam, uh, no, a web, one, the web star light that I think was like $80. And then, and then I finally sprung for the ring light, which is a game changer. If, Do you have the, the big really one or the, the little one that sits on your phone or you have like the big ring? I have the big, yeah, the big tripod one and wow. my phone fits into it. So everything's still on my phone. So I do, um, I did try dual broadcasting for a little bit, um, but mm -hmm. honestly, I really missed um, just that one-on-one. -on -one. I felt like I was looking too many times back and forth and one audience always got neglected a little bit. Um, so I still just use my iPhone um, in, uh, in the ring light um, and the iPhone mic, I, I don't use the mic anymore either. So that's pretty basic, I guess, in terms of equipment. So when you say the iPhone mic, you just talk into the iPhone without uh, like a headset or and anything? Do you plug anything in or you just use the iPhone's natural like built-in microphone? I used to have a, a microphone that I would hook up, but um, I actually the new one doesn't link to it. So I just stopped using it and I never seem to have an issue. So yeah, no lapel mic because I'm pretty close to it. Um, the width of this island um, is maybe two feet. So the ring light and the phone is right there on the other side. So actually a lot of times people say, why are you yelling? Because <laughs> you get excited. And yeah, and you don't have something in your ear, so you're not monitoring your voice. So you always think, oh, it probably has to be a little louder, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> are, they, are they getting this? Yeah. <laughs> Deanne asks, um, what is it about your show that keeps you committed to it? I love that question. I, I love the interactivity of it. Uh, I love getting to come on each week and and see the same faces or the same names <laughs> from my point of view and and interact with the same community, but also then the new people coming in. So I it's the live aspect of it, honestly, is what keeps it going for me because I think if it was all pre-recorded video, you just you don't get that engagement and you don't feel like you're you're there with friends cooking a meal right. and you're talking to each other. Um, and I absolutely love that part of it. And also the the authenticity and getting to show that you make mistakes sometimes. Right. I had one one time where I was trying to spiralize a carrot because I wanted to show that you can spiralize odd ingredients like that and it wasn't working and I was turning the handle in the wrong direction. <laughs> so, so you just have to roll with it and um, you you know and I think that makes makes people realize that you don't have to be that's the whole idea behind dabbling mm -hmm. chef you don't have to be a professional chef to cook good food for right. your family and um, I like being able to show the real side of it. Has there ever been a time where you got so engaged in like the comments and the conversation that you lost track of where you were timing wise on food? Yes, <laughs> I, I actually, and I, I think I made a blueberry bread. No joke. I made blueberry muffins and I forgot mm. to put the blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
How was so, it without yeah. the blueberries? <laughs> it worked just fine without the blueberries. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, that time I forgot to put blueberries in the blueberry muffin. <laughs> so sometimes you do get, you know, you're kind of, you're rolling, you're moving along and you have, again, like I said, I have all my ingredients prepped out. So I don't even know how I missed it, but it happens. You're, you're chatting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sherry was probably there. <laughs> you're chatting and you get, you get sidetracked and that's okay. Or sometimes of course you get sidetracked by, by a funny comment or something. Uh, or the trolls, which you learn to deal with over time, too. Right. As somebody who's not on Periscope as much, I mean, I'm mostly Facebook Live. It's shocking the amount of trolls, especially when I uh, am watching a video, you know, that a woman's doing and that just like it's nonstop. And Periscope has not found a way really to handle that. Right. I mean, you get you get a chance to vote the person out, so to speak. Like, do you think this is an inappropriate comment or whatever? But um, by that time, it's already been on the screen. It's already been disruptive. Do you know, like, has is there anything that Periscope's tried that's worked or that's helped as far as kind of thinning the herd of all these trolls that come on uh, a lot of the shows? They are trying. I know they're trying um, to do algorithms where a certain word will trigger it. And of course, allowing the people in the chat to to vote someone out, as you said. Right. Uh, but it's it's hard to completely avoid, especially if you have your location on and you're discoverable, uh, which a lot of us want. So I think the key to anyone who's just getting started is to just not let it discourage you and and not let it hold you back from your content because uh, eventually you do kind of laugh at it i know leslie right. leslie gets proposed to multiple <laughs> times on an episode so it's not official if she doesn't get a marriage proposal <laughs> so uh this has been a, a great week uh of live stream stars jeff adams is here he was monday night's guest it, it's been amazing having you on andrea and it's been so much fun uh, at dabbling chef uh, across social media you can find her dabblingchef.com is the website and uh, not only take a look for the show coming back to Periscope, but perhaps a new show uh, as part of Periscope's testing out the channel concept, uh, some pilots and things. And those will be actually in front of the audience where anybody could watch those, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah, Andrea Brancini, thanks so much. At Dabbling Chef, Dabbling Chef. Dot com. And don't forget to vote for us. We got to put it up one more time for South by Southwest livestreamuniverse.com slash SXSW livestreamuniverse.com slash SXSW. And Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll have Kathy Nolan here, a caricaturist. She was uh, part of the cast of the Never Settle Show. Can't wait to talk to her Monday night. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and have a great evening. Thank you.